You know, it seems like every time you turn around these days, something is trying to steal your peace. And it's entirely possible that the past, you know, several years, that something has been successful in stealing your peace. The good news for you and for me is our, our peace is not based on the things that we see or go through. It's based in a relationship, and it's based, of course, in Him and what we do with the Lord. Peace, to make sure you understand, is not just the absence of war or strife. How many glad if you're not at war with people? How many glad if you're not in strife with people? That's, that's an important concept, but what it really means is the tranquility of mind and heart and soul and spirit that comes from the knowledge of a right relationship with God. In other words, if you are right with God through Jesus Christ, you can have peace in your heart today. Now, from that place of tranquility, because you know you're right with the Lord through Jesus Christ, comes the sense of soundness and wholeness in Him. You know, it's where the Jews will greet each other, Shabbat Shalom. And that word Shalom means literally nothing missing and nothing broken. But I've watched the past several years where a lot of people are walking in things that are broken, and they're, they're living a life with things that are missing. And God just wants to restore that peace to you today. Say it with me. I'm returning to a place called peace. John 14, 27 is a powerful scripture. Jesus has simply said this, My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Or what? And don't be afraid. Isaiah 48, 18 says, Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. What does it mean for your peace to be like a river? Where your peace is always rolling in and through you. Amen? Not discomfort, not confusion, but peace is constantly flowing in and flowing through your life. Your righteousness is as reliable as the waves coming in from the sea. That's what God wants to birth inside of you today. Understand this, that peace starts with the Christ of the Word, but peace is sustained with the Word of Christ. You cannot have sustained peace unless you do something about the Word's that he has proclaimed. Raise your hand if you're born again and you're glad that you are. Say it with me, I'm born again. Thank God I'm born again. That's great. You have initially peace through the Christ of the Word, but to sustain and maintain that, you have to make sure you have a relationship with the Word that he gives, the Word of Christ. Peace, understand this, is completely and totally dependent upon the mind. You control it or it'll control you. If you want peace, you're going to have to deal with the matter between your ears today. Amen. Go ahead and tap yourself in the head. This is the issue. If you're born again, praise the Lord, you're on your way to heaven. How many know you don't, you don't have to live in peace on earth just because you're going to heaven one day? A lot of people don't. And the reason they don't is they don't understand this simple principle that their peace in life is totally based on what they do with that mind. I'm challenging you today to learn how to regulate your own mind. Turn to somebody and tell them, regulate, regulate your own mind. You know, I see a lot of people in this world trying to regulate everybody else's mind. Somebody says something, there's 50 people to pile on as if they have a better idea. You can't say anything on social media without a thousand other people correcting you. Everybody is minding somebody else's mind instead of regulating their own mind. I've never seen such a judgmental time in my entire life. And it's not the church judging people with alternate lifestyles. It's everybody judging everybody about everything. Look at somebody and tell them, God's the judge, you're not, shut up. 
You're not going to get peace by regulating everybody else's thought life. You're going to have peace by regulating your thought life, what you think and how you process things. Now, you know that a regulator, of course, will control the flow of a liquid or also control some piece of a mechanics or machinery like a thermostat in the house. In my house, the regulator, of course, is Kelly. <laughs> and you might relate to that as well. Amen. It's amazing those little buttons just don't snap right off. Hey, up, down, up, down. <laughs> in your mind, you have the ability to regulate in such a way that you have soundness and continued peace if you'll do it. Say it with me. I am the regulator of my own mind. The key to returning to a place of peace and staying there is learning to regulate your own thought life. You are the device that controls that mind. Now, that's a great opportunity if you'll accept it. But if you don't and you continue to let everything else control your thought life, you're not going to have peace in this life because it's absolutely out of control. The only way you're going to have constant peace is by making sure that you discipline yourself to think the thoughts of God. Amen? So let's talk about this just for a couple of moments. How do you regulate your mind for peace? Write this down. First of all, you need to control your mind, which means to supervise it. Again, we love supervising what everybody else thinks. The challenge today is learning to supervise what you're thinking. Make judgments about what you're thinking. In other words, you and I need to control what we're exposing ourselves to, what we're permitting, what we're hanging around, what we're allowing to come into our minds in the first place. Go to Philippians 4 for a moment and listen to this scripture. Philippians chapter 4. Turn to somebody and tell them, control your own mind. Say it like this, control your own mind. Leave mine alone. Philippians chapter 4. You're going to control your mind by things like prayer and intentional thinking. But look at this powerful scripture. Verse 4 of chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now I'm going to stop right here and tell you that rejoicing brings health to your mind. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that revelation. Rejoicing brings health to your mind. Belly aching does the opposite. Now, how would this work with regulating your own mind? Let's say something goes sideways on you. You're not happy about something. Something doesn't go the way you want it to go. Somebody mistreats you. Somebody stabs you in the back. You go through a hurt. You go through a trial. Somebody's got their name, your name in their mouth, and they're maligning you. I want to remind you what a woman named Margaret Hicks said. That's Dr. Hicks' wife. He's the actual founder of the Bible College in the Four Squares Church. She said, you know, it could be worse. They're doing all that to you. She said, it could be worse. You could be them. And you are here today wondering how to deal with this, how to regulate your own mind, all right? You start going down a path. Is everybody okay today? You start going down a path of negativity and complaining and bellyaching. Right at that moment, a Christian who regulates their mind is going to shut up and start rejoicing in God. They're going to stop right there. A typical Christian does not have the self-discipline to do that. So say it with me. It is a choice to rejoice and regulate my mind. And you'd be amazing how much easier it is to regulate that mind when you're rejoicing and honoring God instead of complaining. Have you noticed how one complaint always leads to another complaint? 
This isn't right. That's right. This stinks. That's horrible. And it's just like a down here slide from there. The same thing is true with rejoicing. You start rejoicing in the Lord, you'll start thanking Him for other things. Amen. Say it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Now how many of you learned that course in church growing up? Amen. There's a reason why they taught that to you. They knew life was going to be hard. And you were either going to be a bellyacher or a rejoicer. Say it by faith. I'm a rejoicer. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. He goes on to say this. Rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Say gentleness. You know, one of the ways you regulate your life is by regulating your behavior. When you're gentle with people, there are no regrets. Now, honestly, raise your hand if you opened up your mouth and blasted somebody, and five seconds later you felt terrible. You knew exactly what to say at that moment, but you wish you hadn't said it. Instead of being gentle. People that are operating in gentleness are actually regulating that mind. Instead of tormenting your own soul with the things that you do and the things that you allow. Read on. He says this. Very familiar passage. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Say it. He is near. He is near. Is that going to help me regulate my mind? Yeah. If I'm thinking every day He is near, there's certain things I'm not going to do. I am more likely to regulate my mind when I think that He could literally come any second. One of the problems in the body of Christ today is people don't believe that. Oh, he's coming one day in the distant future. He could come today. Now, I said that, but I didn't hear any faith coming back at me. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. What, you think the world needs to get nastier than it is before he'll come back? No, it's pretty nasty. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is, is what? Is near. I am rejoicing. I'm operating in gentleness. And I'm living as though he could pull us out of here anytime. How do you want to go on the first load? Is there anybody here that wants to wait for the other load? Come on, say it. I'm going on the first load. Somebody who is living as though his, his approach is near is living differently and certainly thinking differently than someone who is not. Read on with me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in what? Everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. When you're doing this, you're regulating your thought life. You could be talking about how everything's horrible or you could be bypassing that anxiety and talking about to the Lord what needs to happen, where you need to go, the counsel he has for you, the wisdom that he has for you. And watch this. You do it with thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. thanksgiving. You present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends. Don't jump to assuming you know what this means, but listen to what the Spirit of God teaches you as you listen to it again. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in what? In Christ Jesus. Now we can read this and we can amen this in church, but if we're not actually applying this, we're not regulating our mind. We're not going to get the benefit of it. Look at somebody and tell them, God has called you to regulate your own mind. Amen? Amen? Now first we have to stop trying to be everybody else's regulator 
and then take these things seriously. Now read on. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whose job is it to discern whether something is true that you're thinking? It's my job. Is it true? Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, obviously he means it lines up with these principles, put into practice and the God of peace will what? Will be with you. So watch this. I'm regulating my own mind. I am controlling my own mind by applying what the scripture says. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to live as though the Lord is going to come at any moment. I'm going to be prayerful with thanksgiving. And I'm going to evaluate whether the things in my mind line up with this scripture. And listen, nobody can do this for you. Nobody. Well, pastor, that just seems like an awful lot of work. Listen, if you want peace... Then you do what the word says. Or you have a measure of peace or you live your life born again, but just like everybody else out there. There is no excuse for the way the body of Christ has acted during COVID. None. Zero. They walk down the same path of anxiety, the same path of fear, the same path of freaking out just like this world. And there's no excuse for it. And we need to be rebuked for it. Thank you for those three or four amens. If it controlled your decisions, if it controlled your church attendance, if it controlled your service, if it controlled your giving, if it dominated any aspect of your Christian life, you freaked out when you should have had peace. And why didn't you have peace? Because you weren't regulating, you weren't controlling your own mind. Amen. There's always going to be something in this world that kills people. It's like Christians woke up in the past few years and said, you know what? People die. People are dying from this. They die every day. Amen. Do you know how many thousands will die today of hunger? And I haven't heard one government politician raise a finger caring about that at all? Huh? It'll be far worse than any disease that man has ever known. Every single day, thousands dying of hunger, and no one puts it on MSNBC. Because nobody's going to turn an election in November based on a report about the hungry people in the third world. That's right. Turn to somebody and tell them, regulate, regulate. Your, own mind your own mind by controlling it. Amen. And what's the byproduct here? Peace when you're prayerful. Peace when you throw out things that are not consistent with the Word of God. Now, how are you going to do that if you don't know the Word of God? Amen? I just need a pastor in my pocket, and then he can tell me when it's off. (laughs) I'm too big to fit in your pocket. You can put it on an app, though, amen? (laughs) Wouldn't that be freaky? You pull up your phone, and here I go. Hey, guys, how you doing? I'm here to regulate your mind. That'll last about two days. You'd be, you'd be deleting that app or trading your phone in one of the two. <laughs> Amen. Say this to me. To regulate my mind, I need to control my mind. And the bottom line is, before you even allow these things to even get in there as a seed, say it with me, every thought, every word, every deed is a seed. Come on, shout it out. Every thought 
every word, every deed is a seed. Before you let it get in there in seed form, you need to be careful about the things you're exposing yourself to. How many of you really want to walk in peace every day of your life? You've got to be careful what you're exposing your mind to. Again, I can't control that. Amen. Have no idea what you're listening to, what you're watching, have no idea who you're hanging out with. Some of y'all are still trying to hang out with some people because you think you're going to convert them and they have made them, they've made you more like them than you've made them like you. Right. Amen. So you do it. You control it. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I have the responsibility, have the responsibility. To, regulate to regulate my own, my own. mind. Right. Amen. Say it with me. I control, I control. my mind. Say, I control, I control my mind. My Look at somebody and say, I don't control, I control. your mind. I just hear the Holy Ghost saying this. There are people in this room that don't have peace because you run around trying to control everybody else's mind. Yeah, best wishes with that one. You haven't noticed how independent Americans are? And independent American Christians are? You are on a fool's journey. You think you're going to control somebody else's mind. First of all, it's not even scriptural. It has its origins in Satanism. Amen. Your job is to work on your own thought life. When your mind goes down the path you're not supposed to go, you need to jerk yourself back out of the gutter because nobody else will. Amen. Can I say it one more time? I regulate my mind by controlling it. Number two, renew your mind. Renew your mind. Say it with me. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. By purpose, by accepting the mind of God and developing godly thinking. Um, why the term renew your mind? It's a biblical term. It just indicates that what you have renewed previously did not stay renewed. You must do this consistently, constantly. Uh, raise your hand if you take a bath or shower more than once a month. I'm looking to see if somebody didn't raise their hand because I'm going to step away from you for the rest of the sermon. <laughs> Seriously, raise your hand if you take a bath at least, you know, once a month. Good for you. <laughs> and what's going to happen to that body? This is going to get dirty again. Amen. You don't get up and say, you know what, I washed this thing 15 times this year. I'm done. I'm not washing this body again. I'm not washing this hair again. No. And that's for a temporary dwelling. Your soul is eternal. Here's a scary thought for you today. Your mind will always be with you. Might as well get it fixed right now. You renew it. How do you do this? You renew the mind by rejecting your thoughts and being open to his thoughts. Raise your hand if you're ever wrong. Time or two. Raise your hand if you've been sitting under the word and when somebody touched your religion, you went, ouch. You have at that moment a decision to make, to reject your thoughts and be open to what he says. Isaiah 55 says this, seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him while he is near. 
Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts and let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your way and my thoughts than your thoughts. So he's telling us that habitually and based on our condition the fall created this. You and I have a tendency to think wrong. About what, Pastor? About everything. And so what I've got to do is I can't sit under the Word or go through my day saying, I have learned it all, I know it all, I don't have to be teachable, God has given me all the instruction that I need. No, you need to be open every single day to the fact that you may be backtracking on the renewing you had five years ago. You know that revelation, you don't, know, you don't walk in, you lose. And your mind doesn't stay renewed, Brother Hagin said, any more than your hair stays combed. How many of you looked at the beard before you came to church today? What were you looking for? Bedhead? Sleep in your eye? Booger? What were you looking for when you looked at the mirror? You looked at the mirror, amen, because you wanted to see if you were presentable heading out the door. And how much more important is it for your mind to be presentable when you walked out the door? So whatever mindset you had when you came here, you brought it. Amen. This is a process that never ends. I believe it's accelerated and glorified in him as we go through time. We walk with him. But you have to make up your mind. You're going to stay open. And if he contradicts you, you're going to repent and say, you know what? You're right, Lord, and, and I am wrong. Shout it out. He's always right. He's always and I'm usually wrong. I'm usually wrong. You renew it by re immersing yourself in the word of God. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Folks, this is how we tell right from wrong. Because we have renewed the mind. We have been transformed. We don't let the world squeeze us into its mold, but we're transformed by the renewing of our minds through what God's thoughts actually say. And again, this is the process. You can't say, well, I did this for a week or for a year or for five years. I don't need to do this anymore. You'll never stop needing the transformation of that mind as long as you're on this planet. You have to realize that you need to renew that mind through what he actually says. And now we can tell what his will is. Oftentimes what we'll do is we'll look at this and we'll say, okay, I'll renew my mind so that I can determine his perfect will for my life. You know, we need to certainly make sure we are looking to him regarding big decisions in life. What is his will? But we also need to keep in mind every single day we need to know what his will is about everything under the sun. What's his will about how I treat that person? What's his will about how I respond here? What's his will about how I should sow today or how I should use my time? He is Lord and you are not. So it's not just don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can tell what God's big picture will is. His will every single day of your life. Moment by moment, day by day, what is his will? Say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Turn to the mind and say, He's Lord and you're not. Well, if He's Lord, then I need to know what His will is. Amen? How many believe He'll tell you if you ask Him? Now watch this. 
Let's say you're out and about and you're, eager, you're faced immediately with a decision and you don't know what to do. You are predisposed to pick up his will if you have been in a mode of transformation before then. If you don't know what to do, sometimes it indicates you've not been in the word, you've not been transformed like you need to be, so you can't discern what he's saying. So you're left to a decision. We'll just see if it turns out okay. You know, this idea is we'll just make a decision and see if it turns out that's not a God thing. You can walk in the perfect will of God. Say it with me. I choose to walk in the perfect will of God. So I'm going to regulate my mind also by renewing my mind. Turn to somebody and tell them, your mind is a terrible thing to waste. Renew it. Come on, say it. Renew your mind. Be transformed in your mind. Amen. Let's read another scripture real quick. Thank you, Father. You renew it also by developing a new attitude. Uh, how many of you know that sometimes even Christians get attitudes? You were taught, Ephesians 4, with regard to the former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What does this mean? It means that what you've been doing with your mind creates an attitude or a spirit about you. If you've been focused on everything that's wrong in life, there's going to be an attitude about you, and it's a perceptible attitude. How many can tell when a skunk has run across your property? Or the car in front of you somewhere on a highway hit a skunk? How can you tell? There's a smell that lingers. Turn to your neighbor and say, you too, my friend, have a smell. And the only way to have a pleasant aroma about you is to have a renewed mind. Be renewed in the attitude or the spirit of your mind. Now, you know, Brother Hagin used to say this also. He could spend 30 seconds with somebody talking to them and know instantly where their faith is at that time. How can he tell? Because attitudes never stay to themselves. Amen. Amen. How many of somebody that didn't even say anything, but you saw their attitude? Yeah. <laughs> Said, when does this start? Oh, about 13, 14 years old. Then we become experts at this, don't we? Don't have to say a word. All you have to do is just take a look. How does that work? They have been somewhere mentally, even if it was for a short amount of time, that produced a spirit about them that is discernible to other people. In other words, you've heard the phrase, your attitude stinks. It's perceptible. If you're going to regulate your own mind, you're going to have to renew your mind and be renewed in the spirit of your mind so that when you're around other people, you have a spirit of hope about you, a spirit of faith about you, a spirit of joy about you, not negativity and complaining and bellyaching and everything is horrible and terrible. No. What you have to do is make up your mind that you want to be pleasant. You want, you want to be pleasant to be around. Yeah. Right. Say it by faith. I am pleasant, I am pleasant to, be to be around. Because my attitude, my attitude does, not stink. does not stink. Now, you know, I could even tell you that your attitude stinks, but you're the one who has to do something about it. 
And if your attitude stinks, and I tell you your attitude stinks, you know what you do? You manifest it again. <laughs> My attitude stinks. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> These are important things. I'm controlling my mind. I'm regulating by controlling, but I'm, I'm controlling, I'm, I'm regulating my mind also by renewing it. It is a daily process. That's why what, uh, you know, Todd said that they shouldn't fall on deaf ears. If you're going to have, you know, peace, like a river that continues to flow, you're not going to get there unless your mind is where it needs to be. Amen. Say it with me. I have a sweet attitude. I have a pleasant attitude. There's a sweet savor about me. See, that skunk crosses your, your threshold of maybe your property and, and lingers. How do you know? Skunk's been there. Amen. When... We have a good attitude. We want people to go, you know what? So-and-so's been here. I can tell they've been here because their spirit of their mind lingers here. There is a distinct connection between mind and spirit that cannot be broken. You are a spirit being. You live in a body. And you have a soul, mind, will, and emotions. And you will never be able to separate the spiritual component from the soulish component. Regardless of your theology, you will always have a connection between your eternal spirit and your soul. Now, we're going to live in a, in a world one day where we're not going to have all this temptation, all this nonsense going on, but you're not there yet. So until that day comes, you're going to have to make up your mind, I'm responsible for the spirit of my mind, for the attitude of my mind. Amen? So say it with me, this is the last day. My attitude stinks. Hallelujah. Amen? When I was a kid, there was a song called Dead Skunk in the Middle of the Road. And it's stinking the highway. Huh? You don't want something doing that to your house and to your church and to your workplace. Amen? When you go to work, people should cheer. They're here. Not when you leave. They're gone. Amen? And I know even the world can perceive this stuff and appreciates a Christian with a good spirit about them. Amen? I regulate my mind by controlling it, by renewing it. Number three, by setting my mind. That just simply means by fixing it on things that create and maintain peace. To fix or establish or glue. Today you need to apply some crazy glue, some gorilla glue, to fixing your mind on the right thing. Say it with me, the right thing. Say it with me, the right thing. A lot of people in the body of Christ, their minds are fixed on everything but the right things. Amen. Well, this is a new day for you, isn't it? That's the great thing about being a Christian. You could have done it completely wrong until today. You can repent and walk out of here with the peace of God that passes all understanding. Because you're choosing to do something about your mind. Amen. Scripture says this in Isaiah 26.3, You'll keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee or loveth thee. What are you supposed to First of all, glue in your mind. Fix your thoughts on God. Have you ever tried that just all day long, just thinking about God? Maybe you got pulled away to take care of some business, whatever it was, but all day long, I promise you, your peace will be at an all-time high. When your mind is fixed, established, glued to thinking about the Lord. Has He been good to you? I said, has He been good to you? How do I go about doing that? Well, just every day, just talk about all the great things He's done. All the wonderful things He's meant to you. All the people's lives he has changed. 
Every time he came through in a hard place, all day long you're thinking about him. You're honoring him. Your mind is fixed on him. Colossians chapter 3, set your mind by focusing on what is eternal. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things where? Above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. COVID hits, an entire massive amount of Christians resort to thinking carnally all of a sudden. How do you really believe that uh, I work out my salvation with fear and trembling? Raise your hand if you believe that. I work out, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But then COVID shouldn't have bothered you any more than the possibility of a head-on collision that day. Or some other accident or some other disease. But you see the power in this situation was a mind that was not fixed on God or fixed or stayed on the word of God was not set on things that were proper. And though that's all over the map. And guess what? They're trying to do it again with the latest version. Come on, say it with me in one accord. I'm going to skip this version. Huh? Some of y'all would do well to fast. Fast. CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, NPR. Look at somebody and tell them, fast it. Why? Because you'll have to be shooting down these thoughts a thousand miles an hour just to stay up with all the nonsense that's out there. Amen. Set your minds where? Things above. Those are the eternal things. That's a decision. So you get it tomorrow, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong. But what do you choose to do? You set your mind on everything that is above, not beneath. There is a heaven to gain. There is a heavenly throne. There's a heavenly city. Amen. Amen. There's a future and a hope. This new telescope, Tim, is called what? The James Webb uh, telescope taking shots of the universe. And when you first look at it, it looks like a bunch of stars, you know, maybe in a kaleidoscope. And then you find out that what that picture is, those are all galaxies. How many uh, absolute scientists do I have in here? You know exactly how many stars we have in our own galaxy. Anybody? I'm about to go back and call your high school teacher and say, what's up with that? <laughs> How many? I think it's a nice figure for four and six hundred billion stars. Our sun is a star. Just in our galaxy, there are four to six hundred million of our suns of all sizes. Many of them are much bigger than ours and would never sustain life because it fry everything this close to that kind of a sun. And this telescope is not shooting out and looking at stars. It's looking at galaxies with each having hundreds of billions of stars in that. Amen? How many know that'll begin to put things in perspective for you? That if he can fling all those into the universe and create the universe, can't he not take care of you? Huh? That's where you set your mind, where you set your thoughts on things that are eternal. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you got to hang now. Praise the Lord anyway. 
You got some bad news. Praise the Lord anyway. Honor him anyway because you want to be someone who is set on eternal things. Did your setback change the dynamics in heaven? Did Jesus give up the right hand of the Father of the throne? No. Was God defeated because something failed in your life? No. Think eternally and you'll have peace. And the third principle is this. Demonstrate your love for the scriptures by meditating on it day and night. Psalm 119, 165, great peace. How much peace? Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Nothing. How do you show your, your love for it? The same Psalm 119 says this, Oh, I love your law. I meditate on it day and night. I show my love for the word by thinking about it all the time. I have absolutely set as well as renewed, as well as controlled my mind. And what's the byproduct going to be? Come on, say it like this. When I control and I renew and I set my mind, the only outcome is peace. And if you don't have peace tomorrow, it means you're not controlling, renewing, or setting. If you are, you're going to have peace. Now, here's the truth. If you will meditate day and night on his word, it's going to produce peace in your heart. No matter what's going on. Yes. Is not Jesus the one that said, peace be still? Yes. Amen. Do you know that no matter what's going on, you could have peace on the inside. That's right. But you know what peace on the inside does? It causes peace to come on the outside. I've heard this all my life. Right next to, you know, you'll never know what God's going to do. And, and, you know, God, uh, you know, will beat you up just to prove he can put you back together again. And all kinds of nonsense applications because of misunderstanding of the nature of God. How many times did Jesus come to his disciples and they were in a storm? One story, he was what? Sleeping on a cushion and a storm came up. Another time they were in the middle of a storm and he came Walking to them. And either, here's, the, here's the religion. God may not speak peace to the storm. He'll just speak, speak peace to your heart. In other words, he may give you peace in the midst of the storm. And yet in both instances, what did he do? He gave them both. And you'll hear people tomorrow saying, yeah, God will just put you through, but he'll keep you at peace in the middle of the storm. No, you're going to go through things in this life. And if you will control and if you will renew and set your mind, you'll have peace. But that peace will begin to affect the things that are troubling you. Yeah, it's true. Amen. Financially, emotionally, physically, relationally, whatever it is. I hear the teaching that, well, sometimes, you know, he speaks peace to the storm, and sometimes he speaks peace to your heart, and yet, in the two instances where they're in a storm, what do you do? He stopped the storm. He is the great storm stopper. Turn to somebody and tell him he's going to stop some storms in your life. But he's going to do it with what? With peace. So look at somebody and say, my mind is a very splendid thing. My job is not to control or regulate anybody else's mind, but my own. I do that by setting 
and renewing and controlling my mind. The result in every case, the result of controlling my mind is peace. Say, the result of renewing my mind is peace. Say, the result, say it, of setting my mind is peace. And when you get up tomorrow, the devil will challenge everything I just said. Amen. But guess what? He can't stop your peace either. All I can do is try to get you off of these principles. Amen. So your greatest days of peace are ahead of you. Amen. Say, I'm a peaceful person. Say, I am not a skunk. One thing worse than a skunk is a dead animal stinking to high heaven, 100 degree temperature out there. And when you go by a dead animal, you don't go, man, that smells good. It's death. It doesn't smell good. It's just what? It smells. And I'm always amazed. It doesn't make any difference how big the animal is. It smells the same. I mean, we had an ongoing war in our house with little mice, you know, for several years. And for some reason, they really love Kelly's cars. Our cars are parked right next to each other at the house. But they will pick her house, I mean, her car, every time. I don't know if they just <laughs> like her car better. I don't know. But they'll, uh, they'll leave little deposits in there. And they'll, they'll make nests in there. And then she'll call me her mighty man of God to get the mice out because, you know, they're so intimidating. I mean, seriously, they're laying on their back. All four arms and legs are pinned to a glue trap. They can't move. I don't know what she thinks that mouse is going to do to her, but it's like this. And the little mouse's nose is quivering. He's about to give up the ghost. <laughs> and when they die, a few years ago, we had one in the office somewhere. And uh, it died. And I mean, it, it just stunk the whole office up. And so we looked and we looked and we looked and we, we found it in John Barrett's office, actually. It was over there by the, by the window. And once you discovered it, what'd you do? You don't say, well, I sure do enjoy this. Yeah, how about another six months with a smell? That would be nice. Once you discover the smell, what do you do? You get it out. Get rid of that smell. Amen? When God through Moses comes to Pharaoh and says... We'll take away the frogs immediately. You don't say, ah, maybe another night. Amen? And there's something dead in your house and you can get the stink out now? Yeah. Amen. Well, what is God saying to the average Christian America? There's something dead in their mental house. And now's a good time to get it out. Yes. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. Come on, say it. I control and I renew. And I set my mind. And the result is perfect peace. Come on, give him a hand clap and thank him for that. Perfect peace. Glory to God.